Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Crossing Silos, promoting critical thinking with epistemic insight. The podcast that explores how we shatter subject silos and construct an education that is truly multidisciplinary. My name is Robert Campbell, and I will be your host throughout the podcast series. Through these podcasts, my guests and I will discuss the value of moving beyond a compartmentalised approach to education. In each episode, special guests will showcase how they engage with the Epistemic Insight project, how Epistemic Insight frames their view of education, and how they use Epistemic Insight to influence their teaching of their chosen subject. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some thought-provoking discussion. Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of Crossing Silos, the podcast that explores colleagues' journey with all things epistemically insightful. Today, I am delighted to be joined by my colleague, Dr. Alex Sinclair. Um, Dr. Sinclair is our current co-chair of the ASE and a colleague here at St. Mary's University. So, Alex, perhaps you'd like to start by introducing yourself. Thanks, Rob. I, I bet you say you're delighted about everyone being on your podcast, don't you? But thank you anyway. Um, I just need to be a little bit straight. So I'm incoming co-chair of the ASC. Helen Harden is the chair at the moment, but next year you can use that title freely. So, yes, hi, Rob. Thank you for inviting me. My name's Alex Sinclair. Sometimes you have the doctor beforehand. Um, I'm the primary science lead at St Mary's University Twickenham and in charge of um, the programmes, the modules that our trainees receive on the postgraduates and the undergraduate courses and all the other courses that we do as well. Thank you so much. Um, So perhaps you could start by telling me a little bit about your journey with Epistemic Insight. Uh, We started a few years ago, didn't we, when we reviewed the primary undergraduate course and looking at spaces where we could explore what it meant to be a site and what it meant to study science. And perhaps you could um, unpack that a little bit more for us. For sure. Um, I suppose when I first came to that, I I wasn't particularly sure... um, of the direction we'd take. I wasn't particularly sure, and it took me a bit of time to get into what epistemic inquiry was, because um, I suppose I'm a little bit guarded in the idea about cross-curricular work. Um, And sometimes I've seen very good cross-curricular work, sometimes I've seen very bad cross-curricular work where science has been shoehorned into um, topics or themes that uh, really it shouldn't be. So I suppose I came... um, with my guard up to start with um, and then sort of obviously exploring it more with you just realized that it was an opportunity to actually to define what science is and I suppose I hold my hands up and although my doctoral thesis was a lot around that um, I don't think that I thought about exploring that with our trainees or even with children um, you know what does make science unique um 
And I know philosophers have for hundreds of years been trying to grapple with that question, and I think they still are. But it's odd, isn't it, that we do, when we teach a subject called science, yet when we ask the trainees, one of the first sessions we did with the trainees was to say, can you tell me what makes science science? Is They look at us blankly and kind of go, well, it's science because it's in the national curriculum. So... We, we put together, didn't we, um, a session about what makes science science. Um, as you said, that was a couple of years ago. And it was really useful to, I suppose, take ideas from my doctoral thesis about the nature of science and what makes science and then make that applicable to young people, which um, is not an easy job. Um, no, indeed. So... Um... Talking a bit in a bit more detail about your thesis, your doctoral thesis, uh, you'll know some of the work of, of um, Lederman, for example, and looking at the idea of the nature of science having to be a tentative and be constructed by by a group of people. So there's a voice and an, a, a potential authority that's associated with that. So how do you support? your a your undergraduate trainee teachers and b those fully qualified teachers that you work with wrestle with that because many of them in the in the primary science community won't necessarily have studied science post gcse so how do you square that circle well i suppose the answer is probably i don't uh we have maybe that's not the answer you wanted to hear rob uh this is the sort of thing which you need quite a lot of time to do and while we do have a session um in our undergraduate training program about what makes science science and it does filter into a few of the other modules um i'm not sure that it's something that takes center stage and probably it should uh i think the most recent Ofsted um, science research review would suggest that it needs to because um, they certainly introduced the idea of disciplinary knowledge and my interpretation of that is it's how do we turn working scientifically or how do we use the statements from working scientifically to show that that's what the science community to do to generate their own knowledge. Um, I would put in here a little bit, I think Ofsted were a little disingenuous about that report because um, my job is to be able to get geeky and I study the national curriculum quite thoroughly. And actually the statements for working scientifically are all about what the children should be doing. So the children should be um, recording data, the children should be making predictions and so on and so forth. And there's nothing in there really, apart from a tiny bit, which suggests that that should be then transferred to what, uh, so they understand that what they're doing is also mimicking um, what a scientist does. And, And we know that we need to make those links really, really explicit to to children and to adults um you know they're not discovering those things for themselves so certainly some some work i've been doing um with a group of people called the primary curriculum advisory group who are put together by the learned bodies and we're going to be releasing a report at the asc in january and we've looked at how we can map what the children do in working scientifically terms so that we can make that explicit link to what scientists do so they can see what they're doing is the idea that um, that's how science works and that's how science generates its own knowledge. So if I come back to your original question, um, 
there's work in the pipeline. There are various things that we do in our sessions, um, which would be related to epistemic inquiry um, in that we ask them to think about what makes a science question a science question. Um, and that's useful. Uh, I've also produced something called the uh, uncertainty ruler, which is asking children to, to put their thoughts about where they feel um, they stand as far as what their results tell them. How certain are they that the results show them that? So there's an element of, of that part of the nature of science um, that we do in our sessions. But yes, I'm being honest, I think it's still work in progress. Well, there's lots there, though. Thanks so much. Um, perhaps for our less scientifically literate um, listeners, you could explain the difference between working scientifically skills and, and the core substantive knowledge of the science national curriculum. Yeah, so the area of working scientifically, and I do think the national curriculum fronts this well, is supposed to um, help children to understand the processes the skills, the way of thinking, and the epistemology of, of, a, of a scientist. Um, but then what it does is drills down into um, year groups, or at least every two year groups, about the skills that children should be using. So the working scientifically skills are a subset of the section of working scientifically, and those skills are I suppose, I know there is no such thing as a scientific method, but they're the skills that would underpin what um, being a scientist is. So, as I said before, that would start with hypothesizing and predicting, um, raising questions, uh, planning, recording, analyzing, concluding, that sort of thing. So that's um, what we'd call the disciplinary knowledge, um, or at least the skills that underpin the disciplinary knowledge. And then substantive content knowledge would be your your facts about science, so your biology, chemistry, and physics. Uh, the fact that the Earth goes around the sun, the fact that plants need light. Perfect. Thanks so much. Um, so that's really interesting that you've articulated lots there. One of the tools that is used in epistemic insight is this idea that, yes, there are questions that are amenable to science, there are questions that are amenable to mathematics. There are questions that are amenable to languages. Um, but historically, um, students have suggested that, or oh, the distinctiveness of science is that they do practical work or they do inquiry. Um, Epistemic Insight tries to dismantle that by aligning those methods with uh, the kind of questions that are amenable to scientific investigation. Is that something that you found that you've had to challenge as well, that science is about inquiry and other subjects are not? Science is about fact and other subjects are about opinion. Is that something that you've found with your trainee teachers and those primary teachers that you work with? Um, interesting question. Um, I'm not sure, certainly with primary trainees, that they, uh, I mean, this, this is the, the sort of conveyor belt view of education and where students come from and that I, 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 I think that there's a there's if, if, if I'm going to say anything derogatory about secondary teachers it's, it's not meant to be but their their job or what they are accountable for is to to get students the highest GCSE grade um, and I think there's a fair amount of literature a fair amount of research to suggest that the best way they do that is not through inquiry. Um, 
Whereas if we're looking at primary children, there's certainly an element for younger children about the need for exploration, which is which is different from inquiry of sorts. Um, but they also the need for children to have ownership over their own questions, over their own inquiries, and that relation to science capital. So I think we, we get trainees coming in with just a different view of science depending on their experiences. And those experiences can be, can be down to their secondary school, and those can be positive and can be negative. Um, it can be down to um, just how they feel generally about science. But um, our courses definitely are around developing the skills of working scientifically, the skills of inquiry, alongside developing substantive content knowledge. I'm not sure. Did I answer that question? <laughs> or did you, I get around beautifully it? and succinctly. Thank you, Alex. So you've talked a lot about kind of the skill sets that you're trying to introduce in your um, trainee teachers and also those primary, those qualified primary teachers that you work with just through a variety of the platforms that you're engaged with. Um, and you've also started this podcast articulating some previous experience with cross-curricular teaching, both positive and perhaps slightly less positive, where you felt that science sometimes was potentially, I believe you used the word shoehorned, in, into that cross-curricular dynamic. Um, so now you're slightly further along the journey. Um, and so two questions that are linked. So how do you support primary teachers become epistemically insightful and see the distinctiveness between that and a cross-curricular approach to teaching? Um, I think the big the big thing, and I've mentioned this before, is the, the need to identify what questions can be answered by science and which questions can't. And um, we use um, religious education or studies or ethics that, um, or or at least ideas and questions around there that could be supported or answered by other disciplines such as those as as our starting points. Um, and I think that's probably the most useful, and that can occur in in science lessons. I can't see why it shouldn't. It's it's the idea, isn't it? About out, you'll show if you're trying to sort of teach children what a dog is. You'll show children lots of images of dogs, and then you'll also show them non-examples of things like cats or bears and things like that. So I think the same application would be for for, for this: is let's have a look at a load of questions. Which of these are science ones? Which of these are ones? And I suppose when I'm thinking about what is a scientific question, and I'm sure people could pull this apart, but it's scientific question is a question that a prediction can be made and then can be tested, empirical evidence can be gathered, and then you can have a look at whether that prediction um, holds weight or not. Brilliant. Perfect. So what you've beautifully done there, consciously or otherwise, is you've, I, artic is you've articulated the range of descriptors or factors that need to be included to be able to articulate something as distinctively scientific. Um, so you've talked about um, your prediction hypothesis. Um, you've talked about kind of some questions are more amenable to science than others. Um, I don't know. I can't remember if you talked about um, reproducibility. But what's beautiful in what I'm hearing is you have a clear lens on how to construct an understanding of the distinctiveness of science. 
Um, so I'm interested in how is that clear understanding being constructed for you yourself and how do you model that for your training teachers? That's quite a difficult one because I took ages to do my PhD. I took seven years and part of that was trying to come to some kind of consensus in my own head and in my own writing about what science actually um, is. And like I said earlier, that that is still it's still contested in 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 the literature and in philosophy. So how did I come to that understanding through through a lot of hard through a lot of hard work? Um, I still feel we have work to do with our trainees because we only have a set amount of time. <laughs> um, so we need to cover practical work. We need to cover the the teaching of substantive content knowledge and it's it's almost as if this is not as important as the, the rest of the stuff and as i speak i'm thinking to myself should i really be should i be really be saying that but then we have things about inclusion we have things about identity um it's very difficult to think i suppose we know that a pgc course and it's difficult different for our undergraduates but a pgc course is only the start of your training but it's one of those things. I mean, maybe it was just me. It took me years to understand what science was. Um, can we really do that in one one session or in a couple of sessions? Do we have to think about how we include that in every session, but then what disappears? Um, we've got diversity inclusion in every session. We've got skills in every session. Um, I'm wondering whether this podcast is more food for thought for me rather than food for thought for you or anyone that's listening but what's so brilliant is you're separate from the ei project you're clearly modeling your own reflective practice which is so delightful to see as an it initial teacher education practitioner so perhaps you could talk through how you're developing reflections on ei or are having informed and might continue to inform your practice as a as a teacher trainer well i think it dovetails um, I know one of the sort of pluses of epistemic inquiry are its importance, but also that there's backing from Ofsted. And I'm not saying that we do everything because of Ofsted, but there's a, a fair amount of leverage there. Um, I suppose my reflection is how do we in include more of it so it's not tokenistic? Um, so it's something that might go on an action plan or the science action plan, um, but it's certainly something, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier the, the reference to this um, curriculum framework around, um, well, a new curriculum framework for primary science, which has got these ideas about the practice of science um, within it. I mean, that's hopefully going to be quite a big document available for, for the sector, but certainly it will be something that I will think about how can I use that to help define what science is or at least to, to help trainees and children define what science is by making a shift in that em emphasis from working scientifically and children just doing the stuff to them understanding why they do it because that's also because what the scientists in and i've got uh, inverted commas with my fingers here and scientists in the real world do perfect thanks so much that's really interesting to hear how you align those two sometimes distinctive areas uh, 
and I can envisage how that's actually going to support our young people gain a more informed and nuanced understanding of science. That's it's really exciting to hear all those things that are in the pipeline. Um, so moving tack slightly, if I may, um, I'm using deliberate language here. Uh, so we've had some policy changes that have been um, the deliberate languages imposed upon us. Um, so we've had the initial teacher education reaccreditation. Uh, we've had the core content framework. And we've had the uh, early care, career teacher program, which replaced it NQT, so extended that program from one year to two years. Um, so how do you think these changes in policy allow us as initial teacher educators to support trainee teachers and those who are recently qualified gain a, a more nuanced understanding of epistemology in general and, and then more specifically epistemology of science? I think that's the, the shift from doing stuff uh, so the working scientifically skills, and I know there's debate around is uh, is skills knowledge, is knowledge skills, but actually you can still have that, and we would still want children to have these rich experiences of carrying out practical work, carrying out inquiries when it's appropriate, developing those skills, the working scientifically skills that I've talked about earlier, but the the CCF would would appear to be, I mean, it's driven by a lot of things, but it's 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 driven by this knowledge rich curriculum, and I think if you talk about epistemic inquiry and you talk about disciplinary knowledge within science, that is about how science develops its knowledge, um, and that's not something that you can particularly develop through inquiry. I do think. That teachers have to make an explicit link to that so this idea that um, we have this this knowledge we have this knowledge about how science drives itself um, I think fits in with the CCF I, I, I don't think I mean I don't know much to be fair about the ECT framework um, the reaccreditation is around us following the CCF so that's that's what my focus is on but I, I don't see there being, I, you know, I see it being a driver, but I see it also as complementing stuff that we're already doing anyway. Perfect. Thanks so much. That's really interesting. And I remember, I, I, I remember, gosh, we're probably going about four or five years back, you and I having a discussion and me coming to the end of that discussion slightly panicked when I recognised that you were about to submit your thesis and I realised that you and I had a completely different definition of the word epistemology. and it caused me to really reflect on my practice and actually to what extent was I imposing my own lens and my own understanding of science on those that I, I teach. And I'm just wondering if that's something that you've gone through, through your, A, through your doctoral studies, but B, through some of the work that you've done on, on EI. Yes and no. I, su I suppose that... Do I want to impose my views on people? Um, that's quite draconian, isn't it? But equally, I would like to think that taking seven years to, to do some research and write that up, I've come to 
an informed position. And I appreciate that that's my informed position. I, I certainly understand that. Um, but if it's taken me that long to get to it, and I also appreciate that it could be just me and someone else could, could have come to it within a couple of months, are trainees who are grappling with nine, ten other subjects and they're having to grapple with these ideas, then actually you do need someone, and that is the role of the teacher at times, isn't it, to teach them stuff. So um, while I, I, I feel it that... I am not imposing such, I'm suggesting, um, but that actually comes from a place of research. And I would like to think that my students feel that they can, they can challenge that. But I, I then counter that by saying, have they embedded themselves? <laughs> Why would you embed yourself into thinking about epistemologies, let alone, you know, science epistemologies, enough to sort of be able to say, well, hang on a moment, Alex, um, I don't agree with you in that instance. I think there's plenty of examples when we're talking about misconceptions, we're talking about assessment, when we're talking about science identity, when the students will challenge me. But I, I think in this instance, as much as I would, would welcome that, that potentially it's an area that they haven't had enough time to think about for them to come up with questions like that. Yeah, no, I think that, 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 that's very fair, isn't it? It's sort of a, a word that I remember being introduced to during my teacher training and then a word that I never really thought to get again for another 10 years until I worked more closely as a, as a, as a teacher mentor and then eventually in initial teacher education. So, yeah, it's... Uh, something that I'm developing and refining as we speak as well. Um, well and, and when you say that we had differing opinions of what epistemology is, I would imagine that you, you speak to 10 different other people and we would have differing opinions. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's one of those words, isn't it, that uh, when you come to talk about, well, when you come to talk about any knowledge, you actually realise that... It, when you're coming to a particular level of it, that it it breaks down almost, and actually uh, it does become subjective in, in a certain area. No, absolutely, and 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 you'll know this already. Yeah. So so Alex is also one of my supervisors in my 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 doctoral journey, and so I'm currently writing my literature review, and I'm laughing inside because I've just finished the one and a half pages of my literature review that outline and justify my definition of epistemology and why I take that definition. Uh, and I imagine in the fullness of time, about seven people will read that, and um, four of whom will probably be those examining the PhD, and one of them will be me as I refine it. Um, so, yeah, it's an ongoing journey, isn't it? Um, yeah, so and I, I think a lot of your your doctoral work is... Yes, you, you need to produce something new to the field, um, and that's, I suppose that's how it gets it's judged. But equally, it's, and I'm going to use an X factor cliche here, it's the journey that you take and the development you make on that journey about your understanding around whatever your subject is, methodologies, epistemologies. Um, and that's, I think, as important as the work you produce for, for, for the public. Brilliant. So we've, we've, we've had a, an amazing chat. Our time has gone really, really quickly. Perhaps we could finish with you just kind of chatting through what you think's next for you. So you, you beautifully articulated earlier on your ongoing reflection. So 
um, let's paint a beautiful scene. You've got three weeks where nothing else is, is on the agenda. You've got the time and the freedom to think about how you're going to further develop your initial teacher training, both in undergraduate and postgraduate level. Um, what's next? How, how might you continue to develop this, um, this journey that you've gone on? Well, that sounds very much like my summer holiday where I wrote about this um, for uh, a couple of people who I was working with around working scientifically and then sh making that shift to disciplinary knowledge. So as I mentioned previously, it's going to be how can we actually make those links between what the children are doing in the classroom and helping them to see that that's what the scientific world does to generate its its knowledge. Um, and my thinking and thoughts behind that, um, and I've done a bit of work around children using scientists uh, as a basis for them to understand the substantive content knowledge and also the inquiry process. And I'm just wondering if using scientists, real scientists, and looking at what they do, and then comparing that with what's the children are doing so making that comparison and doing that multiple times when you're looking at say something like measuring and the importance of accuracy and how scientists measure in different ways um big sort of topic a big area of work but that's what i'm hoping to do and then that would be introduced to the to the modules um that i do with trainees and also um up at stem learning with um subject leads as well Perfect. Exciting times ahead. And Alex, as we close, you mentioned that there's some new policy documentation that's being released at the ASE. Um, perhaps you could talk through kind of the dates and, and, and a little bit more about ASE and what to expect there. Yeah, I mean, the ASE is a massive conference for secondary and primary teachers of science. Um, if you just go onto their website and have a look, it's January. I should know the dates. Um, I think it's the 5th, 6th and 7th of January, help me out here, but it's the Thursday, Friday and Saturday, the first week of January. Um, lots of different people presenting, lots of different areas. Um, it's at Sheffield Hallam University. Um, we are on, I think it's Friday at 3.30, presenting this curriculum framework that we've been working on, based a lot on developing global citizenship or using science to develop global citizenship. And within that, um, is the, the idea around the practices of science and how we can get children to understand the disciplinary knowledge um, in a better way. Amazing. I, I, I look forward to that with great anticipation. You've wetted the lips really well there. Alex, sadly, we've run out of time. Thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon. Listeners, until next time, we'll say adieu. Thank you very much. <laughs>